Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to be in God's house, isn't it? And it's a privilege to speak. It's nerve wracking <laughs> because it's the responsibility that I think I take seriously. And so before I even start, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray and ask God to just come and that we would have hearts. That There was a song and the word just struck me that he would have our full attention. That he would have our full attention this morning. We've got lots of things in all of our lives, all of our lives that is vying for our opinions, our thoughts. It whirs us around, it spins us like a spiral and we can feel totally out of sorts. But I'm going to just pray now that we will be and we'll have hearts and minds that have God's full. He will have our full attention. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are real, that you are alive as much today as you were back when you created the earth. And we want to come with hearts receptive, fully attentive and open to what you have to say. And Lord, I bring before you the pieces that I have and ask you to multiply them into every individual heart that you will speak, that you will encourage, that you will challenge, that you will draw on deeper into you, Lord, today as we seek you and look at your word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, I'm going to put my glasses on. <laughs> Shows my age. <laughs> right, an introduction to the book. So I'm just going to give you a brief backdrop to the book of Philippians that we are studying together and our theme is growing up and growing up actually isn't always easy is it we're like yeah we're desperate to be older but when we get older we're like oh I'd like to be a bit younger um, but growing up in God is different because it's growing up and becoming mature in him so the introduction to the book it's around 50 AD when this church was originally planted and you can read all about it in Acts 16. So if you want to hear about the backdrop to this church and how it began, go back and have a read in Acts 16. But we are now in about AD 62, and it's about 12 years since this church was established by Paul on one of his missionary journeys. And Paul isn't able to visit because he's in prison. And Ephroditus from the Philippian church has been sent to Paul to encourage him, to give him supplies. And he's given a, a feedback of the church to Paul. And so this is Paul responding back. So this is what Paul would have done in person, but he's unable to do. So he writes this wonderful letter. And it's an incredible book because it's actually one that really cheers us on. It's one that really encourages us to continue growing together. And it's a book with great affection. Paul has great affection for this church. And he feels a real heart connection. You know, sometimes when we meet people, we can say, I've had a real heart connection. That's what Paul has with this church. He loves this church. And it's often referred to as the happy book. The joyful book, the happy book. Um, and you're like, really? Because actually the backdrop of a happy book is normally you know, a Hallmark movie or a um, happy ending. But this, this backdrop to this happy book is actually persecution and is actually prison, which can sort of counterculture that, isn't it? You know, he's in prison, Paul is in prison, and he writes this book, and yet this book is still classed as a happy book by many. 
Um, and for me, it, it reminds me a bit sometimes of even, we're looking, it comes up soon where we think about the persecuted church, often in November, we take a more concerted effort to look at the persecuted church. And when you go to those events with open doors, it's amazing that people under persecution end up encouraging you. <laughs> and you leave going, wow, I'm encouraged. How can I be encouraged when I've heard such stories of what they're going through and what they're, what they're you know, having to endure? But somehow God encourages us that we can keep going and we can be ignited and encouraged by their stories and by their real life stories. Um, so I'm just going to read, I got the given chapter 1 verses 1 to 11 and I'm just going to read that now. So Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in defense and confirmment of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now this sort of, today I'm going to be like a movie trailer, hopefully. So I am just opening up what we're going to be studying together over the next few weeks. So it's a bit like we're going to go from here to there, and it's going to try and give you a picture of the depth and the richness of what we're going to be studying together. So I'm going to start right at the very beginning. We're going to go through sort of verses, and then I'll nip away to other things and come back. So bear with me. So here we start. We've got Paul and Timothy, and they say they're servants of Jesus Christ. Servants, fully surrendered. And I love the fact he starts with that because he's also telling them, look, we're still going. We're still doing it. What we set our minds to, what we started at, we're still doing. Some, of the, some versions say bondservant, which is an intimate, fully reliant, fully dependable, fully dependent on, on their saviour, their Lord. So it's a fully surrendered, fully secure relationship they have with Jesus. And sometimes that can be slightly different to what the world thinks. The world seems being a servant as maybe weak or um, not what you'd want to do is serving someone else's purpose. But actually, it's a great place because when we are fully surrendered and we're servants of Jesus Christ, he takes full responsibility for us. He takes full care of us. He takes full leadership of our lives and shows us where to go and what to do. So actually, it's the most secure place to be. And then he goes on in, the, in, the, in verse 1 again, and we carry on. So he's, he's saying, we're still here. We are serving God with all our hearts. We might not be where you think we should be. We're in prison, but we're still doing it. And then the next part, I think, is lovely because he says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. 
And often we can see sainthood, can't we, as a very lofty, uh, oh, they're amazing, they're such a saint. But actually, saint here is about being set apart for God. It's about one version, the Amplified says, God's people. So he's saying, I'm embracing you all to all of you, all of you who are God's people. We're not saying we've got it all right, but you're all, you all love God and you are seeking to live righteous lives. So we're all doing this together to all the saints who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So it's addressed to every single one of us, no exception, every single one of us. And I think that's lovely. And then in, in verse two, he even takes it further and he says, our father. So we're not just co-workers, we're not just joined together, but actually we're family. We're family, we're intimately, we're brought into this intimate relationship where actually he's saying in verse two, you know what, we're co-workers, we, we love the Lord, but we're family, we're God's people, we're his, and we're joined together. And there's an intimacy there that I think is really beautiful where God is calling us into intimacy with him and intimacy with each other. It says in 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. To me, I sometimes forget that. Children of God. I'm a child of God, the God of the universe, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who put the stars into place. He's my Father. <laughs> He's my Father. Do you, do you remember? Do you know your identity that you have in Christ? Do you know what access you have to the throne room? Do you know that you can walk straight in and sit with him and commune with him? That's the intimacy I'm talking about. He's our father. And I love the fact that Paul is reminding them, let's remember we're in this together and he's our father. He's the one that's going to take care of us and look after us. This is our new life. Oh, what does that mean? Well, we have a new life in Christ. Our identity is in him and we have the miracle of the grace of being adopted into his family. Now, none of us here, there's no exception, none of us here deserve that. None of us deserve it. It's grace. Grace is unfavoured. It's, it's, it's merit that we don't deserve. And I was reading a book, and sorry, it didn't give the author of this quote in, it, in this book. But it said, grace is when the one from whom I have to, a right to expect nothing gives me everything. We are sinners we don't deserve this relationship, this intimacy that we are, we've been gifted with. But it's because of God's grace to us that he invites us in, that he wants to commune with us and be our father and love us and show us where to go and what to do. What a life-changing gift we have the opportunity to have this morning. And lots of us, most of us here have made that choice. But are we living in it? Are we living in our identity? Are we living in that son-daughtership? Are we living in the knowledge that we are God's children? Because living with Jesus, living with us, we're changed. That's why often people say we've been born again. You know, that's where the phrase comes from. We've been born again because we've been born again into Jesus. He has made us new. He is changing us. And to me, that just, when I remind myself that because of Jesus, I can be changed and I can be renewed and filled it just like wow thank you Jesus I don't remember that enough I don't I don't remember that's a wonderful gift that has been lavish not just oh here you go 
Ah, oh, you can just have a tissue of that little bit. No, it's like, whoa, you have got everything of me. I've given you everything of me. Like a father gives his child, you have me. I am yours. And he goes on, let's go on to the next bit. And Paul here, because I could stay in that bit forever, but let's go on to, um, to the next bit. It says in verse 4, and this again is another, another part that I just want to pick up. And it challenges me that Paul is here in prison. And, you know, we couldn't actually say, oh, it's cold, it's damp, or it's, I'm not getting fed. And really, could you pray for this? Could you pray for that? And you could give a long list, which isn't wrong. I'm not saying that's wrong. But he doesn't even start with that. He says, when I think of you, you bring me joy. So I'm in prison and I could be moaning away at you, saying, get me out of here, try what you can, do you know so-and-so. No, he's saying, when I think of you, you bring me joy. You bring me joy. And that's, that's just beautiful, isn't it? Joy is not dependent on where we're at and our circumstance. Joy is dependent on who we are in Jesus. And I want to read you a quote from someone called Remy that I was reading, and it just... I thought it was a lovely way of summing it up. The biblical definition of joy says that joy is a feeling of good pleasure and happiness. That is dependent on who Jesus is rather than who we are and what is happening around us. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit abiding in God's presence and hope in his word. Isn't that (laughs) encouraging but challenging, isn't it? Because I struggle sometimes with, with life and circumstances. But it says it's not, it's dependent. And let's remind ourselves of this today. Joy is dependent on who Jesus is. Not on us and our failures or what's going on with us and not our circumstances around us. And joy comes, it says here, from the Holy Spirit. The helper the Holy Spirit, the helper is the other word, is the other translation for the Holy Spirit, the one who helps us live this life, the one who helps us be able to have a joyful life, the one who comes in and enables us in our days. And in Romans 15, 13, it says, and I love this, and I've been, I've been personally using this scripture over my own life to remind myself, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May, it's a, it's a gift, isn't it, actually? May God fill you. So it's not stirring, it's not like us trying to make ourselves happy. It's actually allowing God to come in and do that work in us. It's about allowing him to say, and for me, I've gone, may the God of hope fill me. Make it personal. When you, when you read scripture sometimes, make it personal grasp it for yourself and I, I, I sometimes sit there and I hold my heart and I say may the God of hope fill me with all joy and peace as I believe in you that I may be filled with the power and hope and life resurrection power don't forget that power that raised Christ from the dead is available through the power of the Holy Spirit in us and sometimes we have to remind ourselves that hope is in us As his saints, as his children, as his family, our Father gives us that hope. And it's from him to enable us to live and to abide in his presence and to make it possible. In Colossians 3, 
it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, the Father through him. And I want to pick up here to richly dwell in you. It's about richly dwelling in you. You know, we often can pick up little verses and they, they're fantastic and I've got some over there that you can take home with you. Verses are amazing, but it's about dwelling. It's about feeding. It's about keeping, reminding ourselves. You know, what we think on is what we, we sort of eat. It imbibes into our spirits, into our thoughts, into what we do. And we have to richly dwell in the word of God because this is the truth. This is our life. This is our truth. And we need to richly dwell in him. So my challenge to you today, and it's a challenge to me too, how are you living? How are you living? Are you allowing his word to richly dwell in you? Are you choosing to read and, and to consume and, and to study his word and let it richly dwell in you? And sometimes we only have capacity for one verse and meditate on that verse and let that verse change you. It's not about how much we read. It's about what we do with what we read. So I'd encourage you, what are you doing today? Because here, Paul is demonstrating to us by this book, and this is just a trailer for what's coming, but he's demonstrating exactly how to live when we're in these circumstances, what to do together, how to have a vibrant church, how to, to live this life, which isn't, isn't a bed of roses because the roses come with thorns. So as we study, we're going to dwell in this book and we're going to take it slowly because we're going to dwell and see what God has to say to us over the next few weeks. And I believe that God is wanting to draw us, as I've, always, I've already mentioned, into a more intimate and deeper relationship with him because that's what growing up in Christ is. It's about him unveiling more and more to us. It's about going deeper and richer. And I always say it, but this is like a treasure trove that never ends. You know, I initially got this and I was like, what am I going to, I've got verse 1 to 11, it's just the opening, it's just the thanks. What am I going to do with that? And then you start reading it and you go line by line and you think, wow, there's layers upon layers upon layers. So we're going to spend time in this book and really appreciate what God's doing. Now don't get me wrong, I totally understand that life is tough. And life is certainly for me, not what I expected. It hasn't turned out how I planned. And it isn't always easy. But I personally, and I think you'd agree, none of us want to lose sight of what God's called us to. And none of us also want to lose sight that he's given us each other to walk that journey. He's given us each other. You know, this is a personal relationship, but he's also given us each other. But we need to start with the personal. So I'm going to also read to you from John 15 verse 4. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's the intimate relationship that we've been all invited into. Abiding, living, communing, talking, 
all the time, no getting away. When you live with someone, they see your good and your bad, don't they? They see everything. But Jesus even sees our thoughts and he still wants to live with us. And he says, abide in me. Keep, keep me at the center. Keep me the focus. And we've also been given in each other, haven't we? And it says, you know, I, I do believe that as we grow together and we're using this as a church, that we, we want to grow together in this intimate relationship with God and that we are here to encourage and exhort and to really cheer each other on. And it says in Philippians 4, 8, which we'll be looking at later about what we should dwell on, all that's good, all righteous and holy. But then in, verse, uh, in chapter 4, verse 9, Paul also says, the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do these do and the peace of God will be with you so as we go through our lives we're also to act out what we're saying to everyone else and what we're reading and what we know to be true we have to also act out so let's be thankful that God's given us one another let's be grateful for what he's done I'm so pleased to be part of this church I'm pleased that we get to do life together isn't it amazing and we're all partakers, it says in verse 7, we're all partakers of this together. We're all allowed to be part of this journey together. We're all gifted with each other for this journey. And verse 6 says, and I just, I think this is wonderful, isn't it? Let's remember we're not perfect. Nobody here is perfect. But together we can do this with Christ in the centre and with each other. And it says, being confident that this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Wow. He's got you. He sees you. He knows you. And just like he left the 99, he will always come after you. He will always come after you. So to be encouraged that, yes, you might feel worn out you might feel excited we're all on different parts of this journey aren't we we're all different stages but let's keep going let's run this race together let's keep our eyes fixed on the goal where God is calling us to confident that we can be secure in him and as I was hanging out the washing this week and I was like Lord and he just said to me Beth don't be bogged down with life he didn't say audibly, it came just as I was sort of hanging them out. And I was like, oh, you know, don't be bogged down with life, but be liberated by my freedom. Don't be bogged down by what you see around you or what's happening even in your own heart that might be, that might be troubled. Don't be bogged down by that, but remember who Jesus is and be liberated by him. I'd like us um, to watch a movie. Well, it's not a movie, actually. It's a clip. I shouldn't say a movie. I've got a movie on the brain. Um, you know, life is hard and it's tough. And sometimes the interruptions are painful. And the interruptions are not what we want. And they knock us off track. But I just want to watch this video. And it's of a runner called Derek Redmond. And he's running the 400-meter heat race in Barcelona in 1992. And he, uh, well... We'll see it and talk about the clip afterwards. I cried when I watched that again this week. It actually sent me to tears because it's such a powerful picture, isn't it? Such a powerful picture. There's so much at play here. 
there's so much at play and there's, there's, there's the crowd standing and cheering them on. There's the officials not understanding the situation and trying to interfere. And then there's the father that comes along and makes sure that the journey that was started is finished. And there's times when we need people to cheer us on and encourage us. And as a church, there's a time when we need to stand and cheer our fellow sisters and brothers on. There's also a time when sometimes people in their best meaning sometimes come and distract us and give us their good opinion or what they think is their good opinion. And actually, at that point, we need to lean into God, <laughs> not take offence by it, lean into God and let him bat everyone off and defend us and, and lean into him. And then there's other times as a church where we actually need to be those people that pick people up and we help them get to the finishing line. And so I'm excited that we get to do this together and we get to each play our part. In there, as I was watching it again, another thought came to me is when they're running and you watch that, there's a gap, isn't there, in their lines because he's not there. And you might feel today that you're not in the race and you've left the lane and the gap's there but it's still your lane and you can still rejoin and you can still get up and you can still keep going. Amen? Amen. So even though you might not feel that you're part of the journey today, there is still a place for you. There is still a place for you. And I just want to um, recap some of the things we've done this morning. We've talked about we are called as children of God. Let's walk in our identity this week. We've been challenged that God's interruptions can be his opportunities. Okay. Paul would never, we would never have got this book if Paul had met them in person. We'd never have got this book if Aphroditus hadn't been sent by the church to Paul. And Aphroditus was one person, but he made a difference and he made a change and he made this book possible. So however you feel insignificant, as little as it might be, in the hands of God, he can multiply and use you. So whatever you've got to give in this church, as we work together, as we grow together, give what you can. And you'll be amazed at what God can do in and through you as we partner together. And then it's okay sometimes to have seasons. I want to encourage you, it's okay to have seasons where we need to be carried. That's okay. And this sanctuary course, hopefully, that we're going to be doing is going to help us understand more how we can help carry or be the arm of that person that needs it during a season. So let's be kind to one another as well. Let's be mindful of where we're all at. And as we dwell and abide in God, let's remember and be excited that we're part of something bigger than us and we can be fruitful for his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to stand and I'm going to finish by praying this prayer over you at the end, which is verses 9 to 11. And we're going to have it as our prayer. And I'm going to pray over you as Paul prayed it to the saints in Philippi. So if we can stand, if you can, don't worry if you can't. Absolutely fine. So I pray for all of those here at Raglan Road and for those listening and watching later, that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters 
so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. Remind us, Lord, of our salvation and what you've done for us. May we work and move in the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much joy and praise to God. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for what you have spoken into our hearts today. We pray you'd seal it. We pray you would multiply it and that we would experience more of your goodness and favour and love this week. Open our eyes to see you and our ears to hear you. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.